0: Well, our text is Luke 1, 1 to 4, and uh, Pastor Andy always read that to us. So, uh, a lion met a tiger as he drank beside the pool. Said the tiger, please tell me why you're roaring like a fool. That's not foolishness, said the lion with a twinkle in his eyes. I'm called the king of beasts because I advertise. A rabbit heard them talking, ran home like a streak. He thought he'd try the lion's plan, but his roar was just a squeak. A fox came to investigate, had lunch in the woods. The moral is, when you advertise, be sure you got the goods. (laughs) That's why I tell people I'm just a dumb old Kentucky boy that ain't so very smart. And when I talk, I get mixed up. My gears are hard to start. It seems I don't have many brains like other folks I know. And when it comes to society, my dumbness there I show. But I found it don't take brains, my friend, the best in life to gain. It's not your wealth or what you are, prestige you might obtain. It only takes just simple faith, eternal life to find. No matter who or where you stand, there's grace for all mankind. I went down to the jailhouse once to witness for the Lord. I told them how the Lord saved me. They sure looked mighty bored. They nudged each other, and they smiled. They thought that I was dumb, but they stayed in, and I walked out when leaving time had come. (laughs) So I'm still just a dumb old Kentucky boy, and I hope I'll always be just smart enough to trust the Lord for all eternity. So I'll just keep traveling on a few brains and not real smart. I'm just a dumb old Kentucky boy with Jesus in my heart. When I was uh, graduated from high school in Winchester, Kentucky, I joined the United States Navy. And as a 19-year-old sailor boy over in Virginia, in a little place called Northwest Radio Receiving Station, the cook was a Christian. Everybody has to eat. I'd go through the child line. He'd witness to me. And down in my heart, I knew I needed what he was talking about. I went to a little country church with him, Preacher gave the invitation, invited people to come forward, and I grabbed the back of that pew and just held on. I didn't go forward. I wanted to. The cook, he said after the service, strange, I thought you were going to get saved today. I didn't say anything because my heart was stirred. I didn't want to cry on him there. A few days later, I was on the back of a John Deere tractor. I'd heard in the Bible the sinner's prayer was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I stopped that tractor out in the middle of that field, and I bowed my head, and I said, God, be merciful to me, and I wouldn't say it. I looked up, and I said, no, God, don't save me now. I grabbed the hand clutch of that tractor, took off, made a few rounds, stopped the tractor the second time. I said, God, be merciful to me, and I wouldn't say it. I said, no, God, don't save me now. John Deere tractor took off, made a few more rounds. I had a date that Friday night, and for some reason, sitting on the back of that tractor, I'm thinking, if you get saved, you couldn't have that date. Of course, that was the devil deceiving me. A few days later, I did call on the Lord. I told God I was a sinner and asked Jesus Christ to come into my life, and he changed my life on May the 7th, 1962. It was after that that I met Miss Judy, sitting back here, and this year passed, we were married 58 years. Not a record, but not bad. And God has been good to me, this old Kentucky boy. You heard about the old Kentucky boy who was walking down the road and he had one shoe on and one shoe off. And somebody said, Did you lose a shoe? He said, No, I found one. <laughs> this old boy from Kentucky went over to Hawaii and he got off the plane. That lady came up, she put one of those flowered lays around his. Neck and she smiled and said, Aloha from Hawaii. He smiled and said, Roy Dean from Kentucky. <laughs> I would ask you if you were from Kentucky, but I might have embarrassed you already and you wouldn't want to raise your hand, so I won't do that to you. Would you pray with me and for me, please? And before I pray, may I give you three quick facts about the Lord? For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. And would you pray with me and for me, please? Father, what a blessing it is to be at Beacon Baptist Church today. My heart is blessed to see what you have wrought here, how you have used Pastor Jim Blaylock and his family and the ministry here and these sweet people. May 2023 be a wonderful, if you tarry and we live, be a wonderful year for the church here in this part of God's vineyard. May a lot of people be saved. May they help a lot of people. And may your will be done in every life. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus one day says to his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, well, some say that you're Jeremiah, some say you're one of the prophets, you're whoever. He said, well, who do you say I am? That's the big question. Who do you say that I am? And who would you say from your heart? Who, do, who would you say Jesus is? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. You got that from my father. I realize I'm talking to the choir today in some sense as to talk about Jesus and who he is. But Jesus, our Savior, has fallen on some hard times in the last few years. Not everybody out in the world, not everybody in Jupiter or in West Palm Beach or in this part of Florida or over on my side of the state in Fort Myers believes what you and I believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some magazines that used to be fairly popular, Newsweek, U.S. News and World Report, and others, and in some media outlets, they would talk about Jesus, especially around Christmas time or around Easter time. And uh, by the time they would get through with Jesus, you're scratching your head. Are they talking about the same Jesus that I know and love who changed my life, who saved me? Now, they are helped by what is known today as a group of self-imposed scholars. Now, you have to understand a scholar is someone who agrees with me or you. And if they don't agree with us, we don't think they're scholars. Now, that's what that side thinks, too. Since we don't agree with them, they don't think our side has any scholars at all. But they're called the Jesus Seminars, about a 100 of self-PhDs that were going to get together to find out if Jesus was who the Bible says that Jesus is. And so they made a lot of press with red, pink, gray, and black beads. And what these 100 supposed scholars did was they said, we're going to take this statement of Jesus. And if we believe that he probably said that, they put the red bead in. If they said, well, there's a possibility, he said, they put the gray bead in. Or either the pink bead in. If they think that perhaps what he said was altered by the disciples or the early church, they put the gray bead in. And if they were absolutely sure he didn't say that, they put a black bead in. And folks, when they got through voting, they concluded that Jesus did not say 82% of the things that the Bible says that he says. Now, if the truth were known, they're not even sure about the other 18% either. Now, you and I are convinced that he said what he said. But you know, we live in a, in a day when Christianity is ripe to be challenged. Christianity today has fallen into an entertainment mode. There are churches all over Florida and all over the United States of America who are in the entertainment mode. People go, and some of those are rather large churches, and they go the right kind of music and the, the loudness. And we were talking back in the 40s about the fog and all this kind of stuff. And they get people worked up and that's why they go there. We're in, we're in fast chain restaurant religion time today. You know, McDonald's says you deserve a break today. Burger King says have it your own way. So today, you could have it your own way, Burger King religion. You could have a traditional service or a contemporary service or a blended service. And, uh, you know, where's it going to stop? Will one day there be a Jesus service, a Buddha service, a Muhammad service, a Confucius service? You can have it your way. Now, if I was going to choose one, I would go with Wendy's, old-fashioned, hot and juicy. <laughs> now, we're not into restaurant religion. We're into what the Bible has to say. About the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in this passage that Pastor Andy read to you, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth, set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. I got interested in Dr. Luke some time ago. He's called in Colossians chapter 4 the beloved physician. Luke, a doctor, probably. Well, if Paul wrote Hebrews, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. If Paul did not write Hebrews, then Luke wrote most of the New Testament. Now, I think Paul wrote Hebrews, so Paul, as far as I'm concerned, wrote the most of the New Testament, more than he and Luke. But you take the 24 chapters of Luke and the 28 chapters of Acts, and you put those together, that is a lot of writing that Luke, the beloved physician, did. And Luke, as a medical doctor used in his writings more medical terms than Hippocrates, the, the guy who was the father of medicine kind of thing, than he used. Luke was a physician who knew God, who loved God. And he said, having more understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. But he used an expression in verse number two When he said, for even as they deliver them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. I really got interested in the word eyewitnesses. There was a guy up in Philadelphia who changed the way that news was watched when he came up with a little slogan on his TV station. You get the eyewitness news. These were people who were there who saw it. And here Luke is saying we were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Now, the word eyewitness is from a word that is auto-optes. Now, something with eyes would be optical, obviously, and auto would be self. And uh, the word auto-optes, we don't use that word, but you heard this word. It is the word autopsy. One day, I went down to the corners, place of business, and I was asking them if I'm going to ask them if I could watch an autopsy. Now, I didn't get to watch the autopsy. Now, I'm glad I didn't. I wouldn't want that in my mind. And those doctors who do those kind of things, God bless them. But I'm glad all of us don't have to do that. But they did tell me about autopsies. And what they do is they do a full external exam and a full internal exam. They check this person. First of all, they know whether it's a male or female. Now, that's interesting to know because we have people today who ask somebody in Washington, D.C., to find a woman. You know, if these people don't know the difference between a male and female, I don't want them running my life. Do you? (laughs) So uh, they do a full external and internal exam. So it's a male, let's say. And uh, then they measure the body and they weigh the body and they see what color hair they got. They see if there's any tattoos, anything visible on the body. They're looking this body over and they're trying to determine who this person is and if this person is who they say it was and if this person died like they say that the person died and then when they get on the inside they're able to go inside and pick organs apart and tell a lot of things you might have thought that that person uh, died from a gunshot wound but they said no they didn't die from a gunshot wound they actually died from drowning or vice versa they're able to, to determine that luke the doctor is saying We were eyewitnesses of Jesus. So I would like for us to do an autopsy of Jesus today. Now, we don't have his body here. That's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But we actually could go through the the scriptures, the gospels, and we could look at the things referencing to Jesus to see what we think. Now, these... Jesus Seminar people, they're Johnny-come-latelys. Now, John, he wrote the book of John, 1 John, Second John, Third John, Revelation. He said in 1 John, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Now, that seems to me like a pretty good eyewitness, would you think? He said, we heard him. And the idea is we heard him, and we can still hear it in our heads. And we've seen him. And then he's not being redundant, he said, and we've looked upon him. Have you ever been somewhere? Maybe here. And uh, the choir was singing. And you got so wrapped up in what the choir was doing, you just leaned forward and you put your elbow on your knee and your chin in your head and you were just spellbound. But what was taking place here, that's the idea. We've seen it. We've looked upon him. And our hands have handled of the word of life. Now, these Johnny-come-lately-Jesus-seminar people, they never saw him, heard him, or felt him, or any of that kind of stuff. He said, uh, he's real. And that's what I would like to help you to understand today on who Jesus is. Now, we believe that Jesus is, uh, I, the First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. When was God manifest in the flesh? How was God manifest in the flesh? If God were manifest in the flesh, you would expect That he would have an unusual entrance into this world. Now, it can't be any more unusual than a virgin birth. You know, folks, the life of Jesus Christ, the incarnation, the virgin birth, the sinless life, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension. And the promise, I'll be back, is unbelievable unless it's true. And it's true. Who could invent such a life? Furthermore, why would you want to invent such a life? Because it's true. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. God has revealed this to us. He came via a virgin. Interesting to me that it was Dr. Luke, medical Dr. Luke, who has more to say about the virgin birth than anybody else. So don't buy into this idea only dumb people or ignorant people believe things like the virgin birth. He was a brilliant doctor. Certainly limited by the things of his day, but he believed it. And he told about it in Luke 1, when the angel was sent to the young lady and was told that she would bring the Christ child into the world. And she said, how can this be? I I do not know a man. And the Holy Ghost shall overshadow thee. And that holy thing which would be born of thee would be the Son of God. He was born of a virgin. And another unusual thing that when he was born, not the day when the shepherds went was one day, but when the wise men showed up. When this entourage came from a great distance to Jerusalem, creating quite a stir. Who are these people? They don't look like us. They don't dress like us. They're not from around here. Why are they here? Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Herod, he was all taken in by this. And he said to bring those scribes in here. where's he supposed to be born where's the Messiah supposed to be born and they said well he's supposed to be born in in, uh, Bethlehem Judah Micah 5 2 says that and uh, did you know that Bethlehem is about 6 miles from Jerusalem he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem 6 miles away Herod said go down there and find him and when you find him come back and tell me so that I could come and worship him also he didn't plan to go worship him also But he wanted to know where he was because he was a threat to his throne. Herod didn't go down there six miles. The scribes didn't go down there six miles. Nobody else in Jerusalem went six miles. Six miles from God showing up in the flesh. Six miles. Prophecy being fulfilled. Six miles. God's here. And nobody cared. I don't know how far we are right now from here to Jupiter or the water. It's not all that far. Probably the average person in here could walk it in an afternoon. Six miles down the road, they wouldn't go see it. Nothing's changed much. You know, if God didn't come to us, and if God didn't tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, they're not knocking on our doors and pushing the doors down to try to get in to hear what these folks have to say. And if you would have asked those men, when they went down there and they found him, there's Mary and Joseph and the babe. And they opened their gifts and they presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If you would have caught those guys leaving town, hey, fellas, you came from a great distance. Was it worth the trip? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we've seen him. We've seen the king of the Jews. It was well worth the trip. And God told them to go home another way. And they did. That's unusual. What a way for God to bring his son into the world. You would expect that if God were to be manifest in the flesh, he would exhibit an unusual life. When you think about the Lord Jesus Christ in his life, how he lived his life, when you think about Jesus and the spirit world, in Mark's gospel, chapter 1 and chapter 3, and Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, Jesus went into a synagogue and there were unclean spirits there. And they said to Jesus, we know thee who thou art. You're Jesus of Nazareth. You're the Holy One of God. They said to him, you're the Christ. You are the Messiah. Jesus said, I don't want you guys telling this. It was true, but he, didn't want the, he did not want the acknowledgement of the evil world, the undersized world, the other world. That's what he wants his people to do, not the devil's crowd to do that. And so he wouldn't let them talk like that. But when you think about how did they know that? Why didn't Herod know it? Why didn't those scribes know it? Why didn't those people know it? Jesus was already living among them, doing miracles. His fame had already spread abroad, he was becoming very popular. Even now, popular to the point that they want to do away with him. His stock was going up and down, just if people's estimation of him. So here is Jesus and the spirit world. Now, how did those unclean spirits? Well, they knew him on the other side of Bethlehem. They knew him in heaven when God created the heavens and the earth. And when he made the, the created beings, everything that God made was made in six literal days. The Bible's clear about that. Everything that was made was in those six days. So you have to figure out which day was the angels created on. Now, this isn't a hill that I'd want to die on, but uh, I think according to Psalm 148, they were created on the fourth day when the sun, the moon, and the stars and all the host of them, the host of them. When they were created, they knew who God was and they knew who the Messiah Jesus was. And so now here Jesus shows up, and the spirit world knows him. Well, that's true of the, the unclean spirits, but what about the real angels? Well, you remember when the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night, and um, suddenly there was this punctuation of the darkness by this angel Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, they knew who Jesus was, Christ, the Lord. The spirit world knows. So you should not be surprised when the spirit world comes up with some unusual false things about Jesus because they're liars. The devil's a liar and the father of them and a murderer from the beginning. So the Jesus and the spirit world. Then how about Jesus and the Sabbath day. Now, we're actually trying to get a little autopsy here if we figure out if Jesus is who he claims to be. Jesus and the Sabbath day. Now, there are some things that if you wanted to deceive the people into believing something in those days, you would not have messed with the Sabbath day. You could get killed. They'd stone you for doing things on the Sabbath day. You remember the guy who was picking up sticks? Back in uh, Moses' day, they didn't know what to do. They put him in ward, and they went to God and said, what should we do with this guy? He's picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. And God said, kill him, stone him. Because he was deliberately disobeying God, and disobedience is a big sin. And Now Jesus showed up, and if he wants to get in favor with the people, he's not going to mess with the Sabbath day. But on the Sabbath day... Jesus went into the temple there's a man with a withered hand he said stand forth and he did he said stretch forth your hand and he did and it was made whole just like the other one and the people were mad at Jesus for doing that on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue on another day and there was a lot of people there and somewhere in the back there was this woman and she was all bent over double bowed down never saw the sun and the moon just saw feet and ground. And he called her forward, and he put his hands on her, and he straightened her up. She was a daughter of Abraham. She'd been bound like that for 18 years. And Jesus said, ought not she be loosed on this Sabbath day being a daughter of Abraham? They were furious with Jesus. Jesus went down by the pool of Bethesda. There's a guy down there for years. And the word was, when the water's troubled, if you get in here first, you can be healed. And for years, that man's tried to get in. He can't get in. And Jesus said, "Wilt thou be made whole? He said, well, I would, but I can't get in. Somebody jumps in before I do. And he, would you want to be healed? And he healed the man. There was a blind man, born blind. And Jesus healed him on the Sabbath day. And the people said, this man cannot be of God. He violates the Sabbath day. Now, I want you to understand, which came first, man or the Sabbath? You know? Sure. Man was created on the sixth day. The Sabbath was on the Sabbath day. You understand that? So, uh, Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, The son, the Sabbath was created for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the son of man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Doing what he did on the Sabbath day didn't prove that he wasn't from God. It proved that he was from God. He's the Lord of the Sabbath day. How are we do it on this autopsy of Jesus? Does it sound like he might be from God? Jesus and the selection of the 12? Jesus chose 12 guys. Uh, Andrew, Peter and Andrew, James and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, the less, Thaddeus, and also Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot. Now I want you to know, friends, if you want to deceive somebody into believing that you are somebody that you are not, Are you with me on that question? If you want to deceive somebody into believing that you are who you are not, you don't pick 12 guys to live with you. Pastor Andy went to Crown. Probably had roommates in his dormitory, unless he went there as a married young student or something. Those guys that you live with for two through four years, try to tell those guys that you're perfect. Not, Not even God. You're just perfect. I'm perfect. Anybody who wants to claim he's perfect? Better not be married <laughs> or have children. Tell me another religious founder of a founder of another religion, who chose twelve people to be with him all the time for a period of about three and three and a half, three and a half years. He said one day, Jesus said, "Which of you convinceth me of sin?" Peter, James, John, none of those guys said, oh, oh, I remember, Lord, I remember what you did. None of them did that. They said, he, he said, which of you convinces me of sin? They couldn't convince him of sin because he did know sin. That's why he was virgin born. He didn't have man's blood in his body. He had God's blood in his body. God has purchased, purchased us with his own blood. And so here is Jesus Selecting these men. You know, he loves people. He's glad you're in church today on this first day of January 2023. He loves people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He just loves people. And the world is all people. Well, he doesn't know who I am or where I came from or who my parents were or whatever. Are you a people? Sure you are. God cares for you. You may think nobody cares for me. I was alone last night, you might have thought. I was alone on Christmas Eve, too. Nobody cared. Oh, if you know the Lord, you're never alone. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He is obviously with you. He cares for people. And he cares for you. I kidded Brother Andy back in the foyer. He told me his name. I said, you know, there are people who think God's name is Andy. When you sing in the garden, I don't want to put this in your mind next time you hear it, but you probably already know it. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. His name is not Andy. But his name is God. Lord. Jehovah. Jehovah-Jireh, Jehovah-Nissi, he, is, he has a lots, lots of names. And all those names are something special. And you ought to learn his names. And uh, you can talk to him when you have a need. Uh, if you need help, he's my Ebenezer. If you need provision, he is Jehovah-Jireh. He'll see to it. He'll provide to it. He's whatever you need. He's a a people God. He cares for you. How about Jesus and the special place, the temple? Now, messing up on the Sabbath day could get you killed. Messing up on the temple could get you killed, too. To the Jew, Israel is the holy land. I just finished reading the book by Benjamin Netanyahu called "Bibi: My Story. About 600 some pages, but it's a fascinating book. Israel is the holy land, Jerusalem is the holy city, and the temple is the holy place. And if you mess with the temple, God said you defile the temple, you're to be stoned too. You're to be killed. Jesus went into the temple, and he saw what they were doing, and he cast them out. He did that twice. You just didn't mess with the temple. Jesus, when he was 12 years old, went into the temple. And he was sitting among the doctors of the law, and he was hearing them and talking with them and asking and answering questions. They were, they were astonished. Someone put this in a song and said, uh, Jesus, what's your name? He said, well, on my mother's side, my name is Jesus, Savior of his people. On my father's side, my name is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, where'd you come from? Well, on my mother's side, I was born in Bethlehem, Judah, and raised in Nazareth. On my father's side, I came from eternity to eternity. Jesus, what are you going to do? Well, on my mother's side, I'm going to go down the cross for the sins of the world. On my father's side, I'm going to be raised again on the third day. Jesus, if we see you again sometime down the road, how will we recognize you? Well, on my mother's side, you'll recognize me by the print of the nails in my hands. And on my father's side, you'll see me as one walking in the midst of the candlesticks, having on a long flowing robe. Saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive grace and power and honor and glory and strength and might. So you don't mess with the temple. See, the Jews thought, look, we got the temple. We don't have to worry about anything else. That's what they said in Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah said, don't you deceive yourselves by saying, and here's what they said. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Three times they said that. Thinking as long as we got the temple, everything's okay. And it didn't matter that they were lying and stealing and cheating and murdering and committing adultery. They thought, we've got the temple. What, what do we need them for that? Because they were saying the temple of the Lord three times. Matter of fact, he said something else in the book of Jeremiah three times. Oh, earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. I tell you, Jupiter in West Palm Beach and Fort Myers in the state of Florida and my state of Kentucky all need to hear the word of the Lord. So Jesus went into the temple. Toward the end of his ministry, he went in and he looked around. And then he left. But he came back the next day. This is Mark 11. He came back the next day, and he started overturning the tables of the money changers and so forth, and then driving them out. That's messing with the temple. By the way, if Jesus came to Beacon Baptist and looked around, what would he see? What would he throw out? What would he say, good job? What if he came to your house or my house? What would he see? What would he want to throw out? What if he looked around in my heart? or your heart, what would he see? What would he say that's got to go? You got to get that out of there. Jesus and the special place. You would expect that if God were to become a man as Jesus, he would have an unusual example of life. Who has influenced this world more morally than Jesus Christ? You know, you cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus and lie, steal, cheat, and so forth that people know about and then claim to be a good Christian. They'll laugh you you out of place. Now, we're not perfect, and we know we're not perfect, and they know we're not perfect. But they at least expect us to try to live up to what we say we believe. Nobody has influenced this world more morally than Jesus. Now, there are people who say, no, that's not true. And another guy said to that fellow, he said, well, look, if you were out in Watts, California, and this was back when they were having riots there, and somehow you made a wrong turn on the interstate and you ended up down in Watts of Los Angeles, and uh, pretty soon you look around and you say, I don't think we ought to be in this area. And just like that, you got a flat tire. And your wife and kids are in the car. And you say, Honey, I've got to change this flat tire. When I get out of this car, you lock the door and don't open it for anybody but me. And all of a sudden, you look, and here comes six burly black guys. Because you're in Watts. I have a question for you. Would it make a difference to you if you knew... Those six guys just came from a red-hot prayer meeting? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, then he does make a difference morally. And he should make a difference morally. When you think about humanitarian things, who has done more to influence this world humanitarian-wise than Jesus has? Artistic-wise. You think about all of the pictures, the famous pictures, not not the pictures by Hunter Biden, but the masters. Those big pictures that get hung in museums in big places. Most all of those have religious themes. A lot of them are about the Christ. Journey, or scenes out of the Bible. When you think about all the writings that have been written because of Jesus Christ and because of Christianity. Nobody has influenced this world more than Jesus has. If God were to become a man, not only would he have unusual entrance, but you'd think he'd have an unusual exit. How did he get out of here? Well, a while ago, I said his stock was going up and down. The people who loved him, his stock was going up. Those those who didn't believe him, his stock was going down. And so they arrested him. They gave him a mock trial. Even the the people, religious people said, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said, "Why? what evil has he done? They didn't care. They just wanted him, they wanted him gone. I mean, here's a guy who could feed them when they're hungry, who could give them health when they're sick, who could give them life when they're dead, and they didn't want him. So they took Jesus. Out on Skull Hill looked like a skull from a distance, and it does. You can see the two eye sockets, a little cemetery on top. Here's the Skull Hill. You can stand right here. And right over here is the garden tomb. And they crucified him there. And when he was hanging on the cross, God turned the sun off for three hours. No light. The Bible says that God's of purer eyes than to behold and look upon sin and iniquity, Habakkuk says. At that moment, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. To understand how repulsive that is, let's take all of your sins and my sins, all of our sins committed and thought, word or deed, all those things we should have done, we didn't do, we did do, we shouldn't have done. You take the world, all the world's sins And you got this cesspool of iniquity. And then let's just somehow compress it all down and put it into a little cup. How foul, awful, evil. And Jesus drank that cup. And he became sin for us. It was so repulsive that God said... Even himself, he wasn't going to look on that. And he turned the light out, And then he turned the light on. And Jesus cried with a loud voice, It is finished! He did everything that needs to be done to save sinners. All we have to do is like that thief who said, Lord... Remember me. They buried him. Everybody thought it was over. Even his own thought it was over. When he was raised from the dead, he had to convince his own that he was indeed raised from the dead. And then out on the Mount Olivet, he began to ascend. And a cloud received him out of sight. There were two, they looked like men, but they were angels standing there and said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming again. And when he comes again, Revelation 19, John said, I saw heaven open and a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he that judge and make war. And the Bible said he had on his, he had a name that nobody knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood. I got interested in that vesture dipped in blood. When did that happen? Where did that happen? My thought was, you know, he took the blood back to heaven. And just before he returned in Revelation 19, he went by where that blood was. And he took his garment and he dipped it in blood. So that when he showed up, they could see it. Just a reminder about the blood. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And that's when the battle of Armageddon was fought. Was fought. You know, who is Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's the Savior. You know, to be a Savior, you have to be able and you have to be willing. As the Son of God, He was able. As the Savior, He was willing. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every tongue should confess, every knee should bow, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the one that Luke said. We were eyewitnesses of his glory. I hope you've seen him a little different today. Uh, Just different sections of his life, tried to put together so you could see it in one. He was God manifested in the flesh. If he's not your savior, he wants to be. God has committed all judgment to the son. If you don't take him as savior you'll have to stand before him as judge someday so why not take him as savior if every tongue is going to confess and every knee is going to bow why not do it willingly on your own let's pray together father in Jesus name would you speak to every heart lord for those of us who know thee may we know thee better may we love thee more may we serve thee more I pray dear lord that if we're Christian here today and we have some things in our life that ought not to be there. You said if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May your will be done to every heart and life. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.